Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to The Ringer Podcast Network. True Detective is back, and The Ringer's Chris Ryan and Jason Concepcion are our guides as we navigate the twisting pathways of season three's plots, themes, and characters on The Flat Circle, a True Detective after show. Follow Jason and Chris as they chase down leads, explore each episode's cultural context, and discuss true crime cases that mirror the ones in the show. Join the guys live every Sunday night after True Detective on The Ringer's YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook pages. Welcome to the Ringer NBA show. This is The Corner 3. I'm Kevin O'Connor, and joining me today at Ringer Studios in Los Angeles, it's Ringer Associate Editor, Danny Chow. I'm here, man. Let's do this. And live, poolside, from a five-star resort in Phoenix, Arizona, it's Ringer staff writer, Jonathan Charks. I wish I was poolside. Y'all don't know the sacrifice I'm making right now. I'm sitting in an empty, abandoned conference room, pitch black, recording this podcast. In sunny Phoenix, I should be at a pool right now. Can you not find the light switch in there or something? Well, I don't, I don't know I'm in here, trying to hide out from you. <laughs> Today, out, don't play, man. Today's podcast is produced by Bobby Wagner, and we're recording it on Thursday, January 10th at 2.20 p.m. Pacific. We're going to take a page from Kevin Clark and Robert Mays on the Ringer NFL show since it's the NFL playoffs, and we're going to play a game of predict the headlines where we do exactly that. We're going to predict the headlines in the future weeks and the coming months of the NBA. So let's start with you, Jonathan. Predict the headlines. Okay, so I know I should give up on this team, but I just can't do it. I'm saying the Pelicans become the team no one wants to play in the playoffs. Ooh. I'm saying they, st- they stay alive somehow. Mm. So I was breaking down the numbers. And they've had some good, they've done some good stuff this season. When AD and Drew play, they're plus 11.8 in 1,127 minutes. Like they can be dominant at times. They have two really good players. They just kind of fell out the rest of the rotation. I think they'll make a trade and then just sneak into the playoffs just like last year. And then at that point, you don't see Anthony Davis in a first round series. You mentioned how they're outscoring teams by that much. That's like essentially the equivalent of a 60, 65 win team or something like that. And, and you know, when I was researching an article I did on the, uh, that touched on the Pelicans last month, it's amazing how when you just pull one of those guys off the floor, Davis or Holiday, how bad they get. Still, right now on the season, they get outscored by 9.5 points per 100 possessions with just one of Davis or Holiday on the floor or neither of them. Like they get their ass kicked, which is, which is one of those guys. So they go from a 60s win team to pretty much a 20 win team just by taking one of those guys off. So the question really is you mentioned they need to fill out the rest of their rotation. Who are they getting? Who, who are they getting, Danny? Like, is there anybody else? out there for them that helps them out when they don't have one of those guys. I mean, I, there are plenty of guys who can help them because obviously, but as you, you guys have been saying, how do you get them? Yeah. But like, you, you know, you guys have been talking about Holiday and and Davis and those two were exactly the two players who swung the balance in last year's playoffs against the Blazers. But at this point, you know you're going to have to give up that first round pick to get a quality, you know, rotation player for them. Who's the player that they're actually going to end up targeting? What position? Does it matter? I mean, they just need more good players. I mean, it, what's crazy is if you look at their stats, their opening day lineup has only played 60 minutes all season. I think this is like the first game in like months where they had Holiday, Davis, Miritich, Randall, Etwan Moore, Alfred Payton. And like Alfred Payton, Etwan Moore don't sound great, but the guys behind them are so bad that anyone who's competent is good. I mean, they're playing Julio Okafor big minutes right now. Like, it's really thin. So getting their guys healthy is a start, which they can never do, it seems like. 
You know what I would try to do if I'm the Pelicans, and I don't even know if he's available right now. Uh, I, I'm not sure he actually is. Bradley Beal with the Wizards, you know, the situation that they're in. If you were to give like Etwan Moore and Solomon Hill in your 2019 pick, it's not going to get it done. Wizards are going to say no to that. They would want more future first round picks, or maybe they wouldn't have any interest in the deal, period. But theoretically, I mean, they got to get more than that for Bradley Yeah, yeah exactly. But if theoretically you were, would you? What, what I'm asking for you, Charles, is like, if you're the Pelicans, would you be willing to give up future picks knowing that even if you bring in a guy, Davis still that might be like, you know what, we're gone, thinking, oh, a Beal Holiday backcourt is something to build with moving forward, where it helps you now, and maybe it's, you know, it's a solid foundation to have. Okay, this is very cynical, but if I'm Dell Demps, and I know that if I lose Anthony Davis, I'm getting fired anyways, <laughs> why not? Right. Right. Like I've got to get off to my job no matter what. Let me have fun at least before I go. The problem is is one thing I, I've heard is that ownership isn't willing to put on put out those future picks. Really? Like they they, hmm. they interesting. Like almost every year they're not willing to trade future picks. So well, then, they just did last year. They gave out the pick for Miritich. Well, no, that was the the year of the pick, correct? Oh, that, so yeah, you're, so you're saying, saying you're saying like future picks. Future like they'll give up, they'll okay. give up this season's pick, okay. but they won't give up future picks. And, and what I'm thinking yeah. though, too, like how many teams will give up this year's picks for players? Probably not very many. So they should be in a good position mm-hmm. to get somebody, right? One of the funny things of this team is, you know, over the last month since December 10th, they're six and eight. And I've been reading and, you know, hearing on podcasts how Davis, you know, there's more. Like he can do more, like what James Harden has been doing for the Rockets. But my thing is like, how much more? can you actually expect from this guy over over this past month he's averaging 32.7 points with 14.8 rebounds 3.6 assists 2.2 blocks with a 61.3 true shooting percentage over 37.2 minutes per game this dude's only on the bench for 10 minutes a game pretty much yeah and he's he's, he's well, not what more can you expect danny he's not shooting 10 threes a night he's not shooting 15 no. threes a night that's the only hey, way AD, old... get on it buddy this league <laughs> I, is changing I mean, you you're seeing crossovers yeah though. you see those you see those plays dribble moves But the thing about like when you watch those plays, you notice how little space he's actually playing with. And that's kind of what makes those moves so much more Mm -hmm. um, incredible to see. Well, that's what that's why getting Marriott's back would help a lot. He just came back, I think, last last night or two nights ago. Would you guys trade Randall? Does he? Um, how know, much value I mean, does I mean, he have? What are you, what are you getting back? Right, like, that's really my question. I, think I mean, Randall, if you can get like two good players for him, they just need to keep their good players. I don't think they can afford to give any of them up. With Randall, it's like he has the stats. I don't think he's he's a net plus for them. I think for the most part, he kind of looks like he he gets an eighties way. It's very Cousins uh, eighty from last year, and it's so frustrating because like he's been good, right? I mean, no, statistically he's putting statistically up numbers, he's putting you know, up like yeah. nineteen and yeah. and eight nine. It, it's just a matter of the fit next right. to da- Davis, John. I think there's obviously a chance anytime you have a player like Anthony Davis, there's a chance to make the playoffs. But I look at this coming stretch. For yeah, them. it's a tough stretch it, coming up for sure. It's scary, right? Like you got Wolves, Clippers, Warriors, Blazers, Grizzlies all on the road. And then they have Detroit, OKC, San Antonio, Denver, San Antonio again, Indiana, Chicago. And that's leading up to the trade deadline. How many of those 12 games do they really win? I, I feel like there's an outside chance that the headline before the deadline could end up being Anthony Davis request trade from Pelicans. And they're, well, they're maybe not, they not make a trade. trade yeah. They could trade this weekend then. Like, they need yeah. to go and get on this. Let's go. And it could be both, both could be true. They could struggle over the next 12 games and into the deadline. It's like, oh, well, what are they going to do this summer? And then Davis goes on a tier to close the season. And maybe they also make a trade that helps yeah, him and out. Yeah, KFC, as you said, like, they wouldn't trade Davis till we know what the draft's going to be, anyways. So it really doesn't matter. Like, they're going to hold out to the summer no matter what happens. 
Who is dropping out, though, in the Western Conference playoffs? Like, Danny, is there one team that you look at that's currently in the top eight? Just to go through them real quick. Denver, Golden State, OKC, LA Clippers, Portland, Houston, San Antonio, LA Lakers. Of those eight, is there one that you think does drop out or could drop out for New Orleans to slide in? I mean, if you're looking at things realistically, you, you'd probably have to say the two LA teams. Like, if, yeah. if LeBron doesn't come back sometime soon, and if he does and he looks a little bit phys- physically compromised, that's, you know, a serious, dangerous situation there. And you look at the Clippers, you can't really rely on a lot of these guys who haven't really been in that pressure situation yet. And when they have, they haven't really done enough to make it and to they, the playoffs. they have their share of injury-prone guys as well. Exactly. They've been healthy so far, but Gallinari, Beverly, and so on and so oh, forth. Yeah. I mean, hey, do we want to talk about LeBron? Like, he's been out for, what, two weeks? He's nowhere close to getting back. He said, he said it popped on, on Christmas Day. Like, yeah. when he comes back, will he be 100%? It seems unlikely. You, Whenever you know, that happens. It's funny, like, when that happened, you know, we're all, like, going on WebMD, Googling about, you know, I, I remember putting in, like, popped groin, and... You, <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and like everything Google was telling me is like, usually when your groin pops, it's a more severe strain growing. Like you're going to be out for a longer period of time. So either one of two two things are happening now with LeBron. Either A, the injury was you know, misreported, misdiagnosed, and being a short-term thing. Or B, he's just taking another midseason breather because he's been to eight straight finals. And he's get, giving his body a break for the long run right. towards the playoffs during the Both end of the year. Both could be true. And, you know, for what it's worth, uh, Sham Sharania reported on Thursday that on January 16th, LeBron will be reevaluated. That is right before a stretch where the Lakers take on the Thunder on TNT, the Rockets on ABC, the Warriors on TNT, and the Wolves on TNT over the course of an eight-day stretch. That so that's a perfect time for the Lakers to get LeBron back and for the NBA. They would probably love to have LeBron back for those four <laughs> straight big time national TV games. Uh, but yeah, I, but I don't know—is LeBron going to rush himself back for this team? It's—he's realistic. Like, is this rushing himself back though? Christmas was a long time ago. It feels like. Danny, what do you have next for predicting the headlines? So this is something that I can envision a future extremely excited Bill Simmons column to, okay. to, to read like. Uh, so here's my headline. So Bill's writing again now. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> now we're, if, we're thinking big here. Yeah, if, like we're, if we're thinking about the future, okay, I, I yeah. love to think I optimistically. Yeah, me too. Trade um, value is great. Brad Stevens' 2020 presidential campaign is back on schedule. <laughs> That's the headline. Because I feel like the Celtics are turning the corner after Wednesday's huge 27-point win over the, uh, over the Pacers who big. have the third seed in the East. Granted, it was the second night of a back-to-back, but still, you know, this was a game in which the Celtics looked like themselves. They did. And over the past 10 games, their assist rate has been just absolutely astronomical. It's it's up there in the 70s, which which is is just unreal. Like all time level. Mm -hmm. You you don't find teams that pass the ball that much. And I think that's really representative of their chemistry and how it's improved over the course of the year. And, I, you know, I know chemistry can be, you know, it's like an easy out sometimes. I'm talking about how a team is struggling. Sometimes it's right. actually just not the players just aren't as good as you thought they were. But I do think with the Celtics, there was a, a significant component of that. And in that game against Indiana, I think it showed a lot of what people thought they could be. Hayward gave a really strong all-around performance, scoring, playmaking, rebounding. Tatum fueled their early lead. Marcus Morris, I mean, he continues to have a 
all-time great contract season. He's been <laughs> unreal for them. And Irving only mm-hmm. had a score, 12, 12 points. points. Yep. And Jalen Brown, once again, though, was excellent. He had 22 points on 12 shots, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. His early season struggles seemed to be done. Before Thanksgiving, he averaged 10.9 points on a 44.7 true shooting percentage, which is horrific. And since then, 13.6 points on a 60.3 true shooting percentage. Jonathan, have you observed any difference for Jalen over this past month or so that has turned his season around? I mean, really, it's the whole, as you've been saying, it's like when they play like this, are they the deepest team in the league? Like Jalen yeah. Brown is your second guy off the bench. That's insane. Yeah, I, I think it's between them and the Raptors, which is incredible. Like, because I, I think they, they have a national game on next Wednesday, I believe. Uh, so that that's something to look out for. But yeah, I, I think something to, to note is that the Celtics have kind of been playing like the Raptors. You have Kyrie um, Interesting. kind of sublimating his ego, kind of working his way back <laughs> into the overall scheme of the team. I I remember back when we did our New Year's resolutions, I was like, the Celtics need to find some consistency to build around Kyrie. And when I said that, I was thinking, oh, Kyrie's just going to score a bunch of points and you just kind of need someone to fill in the blanks. It's kind of been the opposite. Kyrie's usage over the past five games has dipped way below anything he's ever done. And, you know, over the past two games, he's he hasn't hit 20 once. Yeah, and he said, you know, after the Pacers game that if he doesn't have to score 30 points for the rest of the season, he's completely fine with that. Hey, now that I think about it, you're talking about like how they play like the Raptors, but the one piece the Raptors don't have is a guy like Al Horford. And maybe this is really a story of Horford getting back into his own. Like Horford, he's a 6'10", elite defensive center, can shoot it. He got eight assists last night against Indiana. And that kind of player really, I think, elevates everyone else around him. And when he's playing at his best, they become a very, very difficult team to match up with. Horford is really the glue for that team on both ends of the floor. When he's able to move laterally on the defensive end, and earlier on, I thought he looked like he was a little bit slower, a little sluggish moving laterally on the perimeter. But when he's able to switch and play at the level he can on defense, it elevates everything they can do. They can have the switch if they want to. They can hedge with him. They can drop. They can play any, any way depending on the opponent. And then offensively, the spacing that he can provide opens up driving lanes for everybody else. And then the passing, the playmaking. Yeah. That is Kevin, all- he's, got, he's got six assists over the last four games. Yep. Yeah, he, he's, he's, um, I mean, you know, last year around this time when all-star votes were happening and there were some people that had, you know, Horford over Embiid, Embiid's numbers far exceeded what he what he did, and Embiid obviously was rightfully deserving of making the All Star team. Um, but with but Horford, so much didn't of, Horford outplay Embiid in the playoffs? Sure, right? yes, and so much of what Horford yeah. does goes beyond the box score. What we're seeing now is the numbers are showing up, but still, like, I, a, a lot of it think goes about beyond it. the box score. KOC, how many guys in the league can do what Al Horford can do consistently? It's not like, many. I mean, right? I mean, like if we're obviously there's superstar players like an Anthony Davis, but even then, you know, he there's not the path, path right. opponent. He's yeah. a different kind of game. Draymond Green doesn't but also, space the floor, hey, but he can't well. shoot like Horford yeah. anymore. Also, like, is there any other player you would trust to guard Embiid over the course of a full game? I mean, the man bun, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With Ho- Horford, Horford seems just to elevate his play against Embiid too. Yeah, That's yeah. part of it. Yeah, well, it's but also Horford's it's also kind key, of like right? a. a, a a trick it feels like where Embiid looks at Horford and he's just like this guy's puny there's no way he could take me I'm just gonna take him off the dribble and it never works with Horford like Horford's the guy who beats Milwaukee too because Horford makes Brooke Lopez a real liability for the same reason he kind of attacks Embiid but even more so like he's kind of the I think he's really the mismatch piece for the Celtics in this playoffs 
it, it's interesting with with Milwaukee. Just a quick aside, uh, just you know that game on Wednesday night against the Rockets was quite interesting. The way they Milwaukee defended James Harden, they were forcing him to his right the entire game. Mike Prater on SB Nation wrote a great article breaking this we down. We should talk about that. It's pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I think you know they had the on ball defender basically just on Harden's left side, forcing him right the entire game. And Lopez dropped all the way down in in the key, really essentially right in front of the basket, in front of the restricted area, giving Harden mid-range jumpers, which he's not going to take, and instead just protecting against the rim. Uh, I thought it was a, a unique strategy. And we've seen you know teams do this a little bit before. The Raptors, the Raptors have done Raptors it. and the Spurs yeah. in the playoffs a couple years ago. But, but I, they I took think it Houston's great extremes. Got, Houston has an adjustment now, I think, which they didn't really use in that game. And that's playing, uh, going even smaller and playing PJ at the five. Because if you're dropping Lopez at the rim, how can he guard the three point line too? Yeah. It, it, right? it's, you know, and one of the difficulties, as, as, as Mike you know, mentioned in that article, is that they don't have the depth that they did yeah. last year when you could play more small ball. They just don't have the guys right now. I think maybe, maybe if they make another move, then you go to that. The playoffs of teams try that against you. I would also like to see Daniel House kind of move up a couple positions as well. He's, he's a brick house as well. Oh, we're talking Danny going Daniel House at the five. I love it. <laughs> you're taking my bit, Danny. I, you know what? It, yeah, I mean, this is let's your go bit. for it. Let's go for it. <laughs> Next headline: um, Atlanta Hawks exploring trades for forward Tareen Prince. Okay, KLC, Yeah, what's up with that? I was really surprised so, with so the headline. Th- in the, this year, the... this year with Prince, he's averaging fifteen points, four rebounds, two point three assists. You know, another another solid season. You know, replicating what he did last year. He he's been out since December third uh, for the Atlanta Hawks. Supposed to be back soon. Um, I believe either this coming week um, or maybe early early in the week or later in the week. Prince stands out as a guy that a team should be targeting. I think you look at Atlanta, he's somebody you have to pay in two years. I'm not sure how he fits into the equation moving forward. Um, I have heard teams like the Sixers, the Blazers, and Thunder could be looking at Tareen Prince. I think you could look at a team like the Sixers. He's exactly what they need. Oh, man. Um, yeah, and, you know, I mean, a Covington who could basically put the ball on the floor. Exactly. Well, he's I mean, basically if Wilson Chandler was in like 95. Bingo. Right? Exactly. He's exactly <laughs> what they wish Wilson Chandler was. And... Even in Chandler's prime, probably wasn't as good as what Prince was last week. But see, that's why. Why would they trade him? I don't understand that. What's the point for the Hawks in trading him? I think it's about swapping assets. Where if you think Prince has maxed out who he is as a player, you're trading him a year in advance of his free agency. So he'll be a restricted free agent in 2020. So instead of instead of waiting until next season for a guy that you don't want to pay $15 million or whatever he ends up but like, getting. Why can't the Hawks pay that? They have no one else in the roster anyways. I, don't, I just don't understand that thinking. In, in terms of the, like, their timetable? I, I think it's about just swapping assets, getting yeah. something, whether it's a, a future pick or another young player. That's a very process move they do this. That would be like a process on process move. Yeah, like, tr- like trading Michael Carter-Williams. Yeah, but he's actually good though. Exactly. exactly. Where it feels premature, but you're actually ahead of the curve in doing it. But see, I would wonder if I was on our team, why are they trading Torian Prince? Something wrong with him? Like that just seems really odd to me that a rebuilding team would trade to young player. I mean, I mean, think about Prince as a prospect, right? I think the concern with him, well, actually, first of all, the positives are that this guy can grind on defense. He shows scoring potential off the dribble. His spot up three is average, not great. A lot of that is manifested in the league. Like he's become a good scorer who can have big nights. But if you're looking, if you're building your team, this team is going to have the ball in Herder's hands a lot and and Trey Young's hands a lot. And John Collins has emerged as a 
Not double double machine. Yeah. Double machine and potentially a star if he gets getting keeps getting better. Torian Prince is a guy who likes having the ball in his hands, likes mm. running prick and roll, likes dribbling a lot. And, and, you've, I, and you've basically been able to replace his value with a guy like DeAndre Bembry and not really miss too much. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, but so watch out for, I've heard the Sixers, Blazers, and Thunder are teams to watch for. Prince goes there. He's not getting the ball in his hands, that's for sure. So that's interesting. What I've always been fascinated with was how closely his kind of trajectory mirrored Jimmy Butler's in how that, like when Jimmy Butler came into the league, I always kind of thought he was just going to be a role player. I don't think anyone really expected him to be like this alpha dog star. And with True. with Prince on the Hawks, mm-hmm. he was kind of forced into that role because there was literally no one else on the team yeah. capable of taking shots. His, I mean, he he emerged last year. He's yeah, great. so now he's now you're saying now he's enjoying the good life. Doesn't want to go back to uh, spotting up in the three point line. So now I'm just thinking, like, if you were to put Torian Prince into that role that Jimmy Butler kind of evaded, like, what would that look like? I'm interested by that. Obviously, John, you, you seem to not agree with the idea of trading Prince, but with the Sixers, I think if you're them, I'd be stoked about getting Prince. You think about a potential end-of-game end lineup with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Taureen Prince, J.J. Redick as your top, and then Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I about the star player as your five. That is hmm, pretty unbelievable. It, that the size and the versatility Multiple guys you can play make. Okay, but how do they get him? Would you give up? Let's start low here. Like a Zaire Smith and a 2021 Miami pick. If you're Atlanta, so basically the picks from the Suns they yeah, got yeah. in the draft. If if you're if you're Atlanta, are you into Zaire Smith and the 2021 Miami John? I mean, I would just keep Prince. But if you're going to you move Zaire him, Smith, a, right? Yeah, if the they're going to move him, that's going to that's a pretty this, good this package. Allergy now. I yeah. I would love to know if Zaire is healthy, like not yeah. even like literally healthy as Let, like let's a human. He's back on track. Yeah. Let's just assume, you know, and we're hoping. That yeah, he Philly's yeah. trading like bags of beans. You don't know what they're getting you. Like, you get, what about Fultz? Who <laughs> knows? Would you right? get a Fultz? It's a magic hat. It's a mystery yeah, box. Yeah. If I'm Atlanta, I'd want that mystery box. You'd want Fultz. Yeah, of course. Why not? I love the fit with Trey Young and a and Kevin Herter and a theoretical world where Fultz fixes his shoulder problem and he gets back on track. Imagine that. That gets me I mean, stoked. Those guys in I'd love, to, li- I'd love to live in Utopia. Yeah, so I, know, I know. I know. It's not real. I'm, I'm, in my, I'm in my dreams. Um, anyway, moving on. What do we have next, John? Okay, I got a headline for you. The day the music died, a city mourns, a legend is traded. The end of the Vucevic era. (laughs) 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 You had me excited, and I don't know if I'm. Hey, we're all—he's a legend in his own mind. he—he is. He's having a great year, John. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. I think Orlando doesn't want to blow it up, but over the last 15 games, they have a minus 7.4 net rating. They've got the worst offense in the league. They're—they're sliding really fast. By the time the deadline is, it might be too late. I mean, at that point. Don't you have to move them? You can't pay in the summer anyways. It feels like Vucevic and Terrence Ross, who's having a really good year, could be on the move by in a month or so. Yeah, Orlando entered the season wanting to make the playoffs, and you know they're still only two and a half games back from Charlotte for that eight spot, so they're not out of it. But they're trying the wrong direction. They, yeah. sure. And it's probably for the best if they lose games. So, okay, so if, if you're another team and you're looking at Vucevic and you're looking at his amazing numbers and you look at... Brooke Lopez's season, and you're like, okay, if we just had a Brooke Lopez type player, would that make our team better? What team I got is a team that? for you. 
the Los Angeles Lakers. There it is. They should have kept Lopez in the first place, but put Booch <laughs> with LeBron. That's a, that's an interesting one-two combination right there. A lot of space. Seeing Brooke have the year he's had makes it less and less hard to believe that they actually let him go. I mean, nobody could have expected him to be this great in Milwaukee, but um, yeah, he's been on the Lucevic. It does make sense for the Lakers. Right. Maybe a swap of KCP and a future asset or something like that. But you can't you can't give up an asset that you want to use for Anthony Davis. Though. I think, but I think you can just give up your first this year. That's probably enough for Vooch at this point, mm. unless you need that in an eighty deal. Or maybe you can line. give up Mo Wagner. I hate to say it, KOC, but he might be out the door. You can't give up Mo. Mo's untouchable. Can't do it. Mo, Mo, Mo <laughs> Wagner is an un- untouchable asset. So, sorry, Mo, for listening. <laughs> Orlando's nice. I mean, for what it's worth. Um, how would you feel about Dallas for him, John? And, and the reason why I ask is because, you know, I've heard Dennis Smith, obviously there's been the trade rumors with him. Orlando, I've heard, is interested in him. I've heard Phoenix is also interested. Hmm. I wonder... I'm not See, saying I, I Vucevic wonder, for like, DSJ, if I'm Dallas, but let's say Vucevic in a young asset for DSJ and something else. I mean, Vuce is good, but I feel like with Luca, you want more of a rim runner than a pop guy. Because Luca's not this like otherworldly athlete who needs space to attack the rim. Like He needs a guy who's attack the rim for him. So he's, I think Vuce Baron DeAndre, I don't think DeAndre's the answer at center, but yeah, I, think I don't love the let fit him DeAndre go. Yeah, I think DeAndre, they'll let go this summer. It's, it's a matter of... So you think they would stick with that rim runner? I think it makes more sense given yeah. Luca's game to have a rim runner there, but I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm right there with you. Is there any other team that stands out as somebody that should be targeting Vucevic? I don't know. I, I threw this out in Slack, but I, I don't really know if it makes them better. I just personally would love to see Vooch on the Kings with their offense-happy approach. I mean, Willie Cauley-Stein is not, be great. Is not yeah. necessarily the answer for them going forward. So, you know, why not? Have another guy who could shoot, just scrap defense altogether, ball out. Who needs defense? I just want points. Kings play fast. Yeah, but they, they got to let Bagley get his minutes, though. You can't yeah, be bringing guys to take away minutes from Bagley. Which made the uh, Enos Cantor news quite interesting for Sacramento. I couldn't believe that one when I heard that one. Helps their rebounding. Like, Doesn't help get minutes for young guys. <laughs> Man, I don't even, yeah. We need a younger Greg Monroe on our team now. I don't, I don't get that one. Danny, what do we have next? Uh, okay, so back to my, you know, morbid fascinations of the week. Okay. Uh, Cleveland finishes with worst record than 2002-03 season, but don't get the number one pick this time oh, around. Oh, no. So what's their, what's their <laughs> pace now, Danny? What are they looking at record-wise? So they are 8-34, and 34, I believe. It's a win percentage of 190. But yeah, so they have lost 11 in a row, and they're about to hit a, a horrendous five-game road trip in which, or actually, they've already started the road trip, but here are their next five games. The Rockets, the Lakers, the Blazers, the Jazz, and the Nuggets. Yes. Let All the, on the let road. Let the tank flow through you. Yes. This is a, that's a death march right That's there. a death march. I love it. Yeah. And I've calculated this. If they lose out from now until the All-Star break, they will have 27 <laughs> consecutive losses, which would take over their own league record their own historic <laughs> league record of losing 26 consecutive games back in 2010-11. Is there any possibility yeah. of that happening? I would not. I would never watch the Cavs anymore. I'm looking so at their schedule. Know. They have two games versus Chicago. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they those are... But they lost against Chicago by 20 the, the past <laughs> week. I mean, Jim Boylan, heck of a coach, <laughs> of course. Uh, two, two games against the Washington Wizards, maybe, you know, if they sputter again. Two games against the Celtics, though. You know? two, yeah, two games. I mean... There's a chance. They face the Knicks as well. Oh, my God. And, and yet, what's looming over 
the Cavaliers was the Patrick McCaw situation. New York Times, <laughs> Mark Stein reported the Cavs are being investigated for salary cap circumvention by signing Warriors-restricted free agent Pat McCaw to the two years, $6 million non-guaranteed deal. And about a week later, after signing that deal, they waived him. And that whole thing has made no sense. I don't understand it's it at all. It's very odd. You know, Stein reported, finish. Stein reported that the Warriors are the ones who filed that complaint, and there's some around the league who believe that they signed McCaw to get him out of his deal with the Warriors, his his situation with the Warriors, the restricted free agency. And Hashtag petty season. Petty season. I mean, exactly. it looks very suspicious for sure to cut him a week later. But how could they prove it, though, right? Yeah, Code of silence. Yeah. In, unless there's text messages or voicemails or something like that, how do you prove that? It's just as possible See, that they made they a be strong Snapchat, enough man. offer. Delete those messages. Yeah, yeah. Snap, but, maybe but we're, Slack, something like that. You know, <laughs> we're kind of on Slack. They could be too. We're kind of burying the lead here. Is that if they do, if they are found responsible for this, then the penalty is they lose their first it, round pick. Right? Can you imagine? Always the penalty, oh or could it be a second round pick? From what I've heard, it was the penalty is you you forfeit your oh first round goodness. pick. So if if this costs them Zion, no way. <laughs> There's no way to prove it. Like it's just as possible if they made a strong enough offer for the Warriors not to match because you know they didn't want to give McCaw right, that money. Right. And then you get this guy and you realize he sucks. You say peace out, and then you sign a guy who's worse and campaign to help your tank out. So I mean, there's no way to prove it. There's uh, unless there's records. I of just this actually happening. Look, it, I, I I'm not going to put it past the Cavs though. They've done a lot of really uh, yeah, incompetent things over there. So. I mean, I, I wrote that I wrote <laughs> that piece about the Cavs uh, over the Thanksgiving break mainly to just cleanse myself. Yeah. I was thinking way too much about the Cavs, and I wanted to just get all of my thoughts out there so that I wouldn't have to think about them again. I have to think about We're them back. again with this. Um, but it would just that would take their depths of despair to just a whole new low, and I'm not rooting for it because that's no, that's just neither. completely unfair for the franchise. But the fact that it's even a possibility is is something. It wouldn't be cool. <laughs> I, I hope I hope it doesn't happen. I mean, if the they, crazy if, thing if, is if, just if, how if much the Warriors up, have like been pursuing McCaw so much. Like this is like the two time defending champions, and they've really really been like. Fighting for McCaw, keeping him on the roster, filing complaints. They're acting like he's freaking amazing how right. they're acting. It's crazy. Also, he's like, so he's supposedly going to be signing with the Raptors. Yes, the Raptors. And so they're basically, CJ Miles is basically out of the rotation because he's having the worst year of his career. Um, can't shoot threes. So they're bringing in a guy who can't shoot threes. I'm saying this: mm. if the Raptors sign you, though, you've probably got some ability. Like they, yeah. they've really been killing last year's in, on roster moves. And then it works out like Toronto traded Al McKinney to the Warriors for Pat McCaw. <laughs> oh, so they're just getting all, yeah, yeah all exactly. of the, uh, yeah, Warriors exactly. intel. Yeah. Moving on to the last headline. Mine is Luka Doncic named to NBA All Star team. Wow. I mean, this is not much of a prediction. It's number three in votes, right? He's going to get in, isn't he? <laughs> yep, I know. It's, I'm not really going out on a limb here. The, the second returns for all-star votes uh, came out on Thursday, and Luka has 2.2 million votes. That's only less than LeBron, Giannis, and Kyrie. That's it. So that's, that's it? more than Steph. That's more than KD, AD, Paul George, Kawhi. Yeah, Harden, Embiid. His 2.2 million votes is more oh, combined man. than Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, Lonzo Ball, and Devin Booker. Guys, I, like, I'm feeling bad outrageous. now. As, as the as the ringer staff, I feel like we owe the world in the pile. Like Luke is great, but man, this yeah. is a little much. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, the response on Twitter is appropriately how this is a joke. Right? You know, he shouldn't you know be in this position. And like, 
it kind of is. It, it is a joke that you know the fans make up fifty percent of the vote, players and media each make okay, up twenty five percent. These are only the fan votes, then, right? Yeah, only the fan votes. He's, yes. So I don't. Think he's, he's gonna get no player votes. So maybe he's gonna, he won't yeah, he's player. not gonna be a starter. I don't think. I don't think there's not, any media not be a starter. or. Yeah. But reserve. Oh, yeah. I, that, I, I, that, I can see that's that. Where I, I think, don't know if that'll happen either, though. The I coaches think, only put rookies in there that and, often. And the, this is why I don't think it's quite a joke. It's a joke that he has more than all these guys. That's a joke. But it's not a joke that he makes the team. Like, Luca right now is averaging 19.8 points, 6.7 rebounds, and 4.9 assists per game. How many guys do you think were rookies that put up these numbers in NBA history? Just throw out a number. How many rookies put up at least 19, 6, and 4? In history? In, in history. Four. LeBron for sure. How many? How many you got? Didn't Tyreek Evans have a crazy rookie year too? Like yeah, he's just like twenty five five. It was oh. seven, seven. Seven guys. Okay. Elgin Baylor, Oscar Robertson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Sidney Wicks, Larry Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, and Grant Hill. Seven. Steamed company. And all seven of those guys as rookies made the All Star team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if the Mavs have to be playing better though. The Mavs, if they're, they, they're, they're they've been struggling lately. If they keep falling off, it might be even tougher to get them on that team. Because like you're gonna put up guy, a veterans veterans take them off for Luca for a rookie. Coaches only do that for got rookies on losing teams. If I were Mike Conley, I'd be like, Yeah, man, come man, on, come on, man, I know, really? I know, I know. Uh, I uh, I just think I look back and it's disappointing that LeBron didn't make the All Star game as a rookie. Then he could be an All Star in every year of his career. Is it disappointing I, 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 though? That doesn't really matter. I mean, it, that, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it, that's that's also part of it. It just doesn't matter. It's an exhibition. Well, I feel like but for Luca, let, let's keep him off that radar of NBA players. You know, let's let's keep this backlash. Oh, just cool that, it off. Okay, that, that's why I, I think let him stay off the team so that people hate him. The thing is, I also True. want Doncic mm-hmm. to play in every single one of the events over All Star Weekend, except for the dunk contest. Like, put him in the skills competition. <laughs> yeah. Put him yeah. in the three point shooting. Like, hell, if you want, he can dunk too. Whatever. But like, <laughs> look, if if we're trying to get him to lose as much weight as possible, let him there burn as go. many calories. Let him burn as many calories as he can over mm. the week. <laughs> I, I just think it would be great to see. I mean, look, the fan vote is silly, but I also think you know if the fans want to see Luka Doncic playing the All Star game, which is just an exhibition game, put him in the damn All Star game. Moving on, let's look ahead to the weekend, starting with the NBA Watch of the Night. The Lakers, without LeBron, are taking on the Utah Jazz. That's on 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on ESPN. Danny, with LeBron still out for the Lakers, this feels like it should be a win for the Jazz, but the Lakers, they've been getting some positive contributions. Oh, yeah, they've been whipping the ball around over the past however many games since since LeBron's injury. uh, Their assist rate has gone through the roof. I think they're now in the top 10, whereas previously they were in the bottom 10. I think they, I think they were like 22nd or 23rd in assist rate. Uh, last game was a really great example. 30 assists. You had Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball really showing off their abilities to playmake. And it all kind of funneled into Kuzma, who had a game of his life. And then on the other side, Donovan Mitchell has really elevated his play as of late, John. Yeah, I mean, Utah, like, they're the other team we were kind of waiting to get back in the top eight. They seem like they have too much talent. They were too good at the end of last season. I know they've had a tough schedule the first half of the year, but it just feels like they should have the pieces to get in that top eight. I'm looking forward to that one. Granted, LeBron's not playing. It's still an interesting matchup, an important game for Utah that's just knocking on the door of the playoffs currently in that nine spot. And remember, if you want to watch every NBA game, subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com, Amazon, or your local cable or satellite provider. 
Anyway, moving on, we're going to throw an outlet to the weekend. Also on Friday night, we have Dallas on the road against Minnesota and its new head coach, Ryan Saunders, son of Flip Saunders. Uh, only 32 years old as NBA head coach. Ridiculous. The youngest um, ever? Um, uh, unbelievable. Uh, 32 is obviously youngest in the league now, but Bobby, do you, do you have the numbers if this is the youngest all time? It looks like he's not the youngest of all time. I guess technically the youngest of all time is player coach Dave DeBuscher oh, at 25. Player but coaches. We're not counting that. We're counting just coaches. Then it's uh, Walter Budko Jr., age 25, and he coached the Bullets. 25. What was me, this? I've never heard of this man. <laughs> Let me Wait, guess. What year was the this? record was trash. Uh, he was. He had a short-lived stint as a coach, resulted in a 10 and 19 record. It's not that bad. So he's playing interim coach or something. Inter- yeah. Else. Well, I guess like yeah. Ryan Saunders. So anyway, <laughs> Ryan Saunders, <laughs> Chark, so are there any systematic changes that you would like to see from Saunders with the Wolves? I mean, I, like we've been saying, is you know, feature Cat more. I want to see more Tyus Jones. I think he gives Cat the ball. I feel like their other guards are kind of more shoot-first <laughs> players. And if you have a seven-footer who needs the ball, get a pass-first point guard in there. Did y'all watch the game the other night, his first game? I didn't see that. Did he change anything in that game? I, the only thing I saw was uh, the the little shower in the in the locker room oh, that afterwards. Was, that was a beautiful. It moment. was great. That was it was so great. great. And, and Wiggins I, got forty, so maybe he's got the Wiggins the magic touch with Andrew Wiggins. Who knows? Wiggins got forty. Ryan Saunders in his very first play as an NBA coach had them run uh, his dad's favorite play of all time. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I didn't so see that. that. Yeah, that's that really was cool. that was very that's nice. Pretty cool. As far as who I would like to see, I, I want to see more Sarge. That that's one of the guys I'm most excited to see under Saunders, Saunders here, yeah, right? I, I'm hoping that they play at a faster pace, um, especially after rebounds and after turnovers. Just push the ball yeah. a bit, bit more than they were before. I, I want to see more of that overseas, and you know, Sarich, not playmaking necessarily, but put the ball in his hands a little bit more and show what he can do as a passer, not a. Primary I mean, have we seen much Sarich cat pick and rolls four and four five? No, no. I would love to see it. Or how about Kat Sarge picking rolls 5-4, right? Just, Let's get it just, 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 just given to me. Or how about I just less Taj Gibson shooting threes? <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> if if anyone should be shooting threes, just give it to someone who actually can, you know? Speaking about four or five pick and rolls and, and celebrations, Blake Griffin makes his return to Los Angeles on Saturday night as the Pistons are taking on the Clippers. Danny, how are you gonna remember Blake Griffin's tenure with the Clippers? I will forever remember the 2014-15 first round series that they had against the Spurs. Oh, the Spurs, yeah. Yeah, that was, yep. for my money, one of my favorite playoff series of the past five years. It was so tightly contested. And at that point, you could have convinced me, and I was probably convincing other people, <laughs> that Blake was a top five player. Obviously, things have gone down different paths mm-hmm. since then, but I think Blake had an incredible high on the Clippers. So... No, you said he's had a good, good that, career there. That, that was actually mine. Really. Yeah. That, that, was, that was the one that I thought of. How about you, John? I mean, Blake. How about when they compare him to Nelson Mandela? That, <laughs> that <was> Pioneers. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was so ridiculous from top to bottom. I, I'll always remember that. Then trading him like four months later. <laughs> I, th- I think aside from, you know, singular moments like that, I'll also remember Blake as a guy who, you know, he just kept evolving, right? You know, while battling yeah. injuries and, you know, 
the fast start he got off to in his career. He was great as a rookie. Uh, he was never complacent. You know, he got better as a ball handler and as a playmaker over the course of time. He, he extended his shooting range every year to eventually become a three-point shooting guy. And so, like, despite all of the injuries, despite all the rehab, his and his his athletic decline, he kept improving right. the other areas of his game to maintain his positive impact. And we're seeing that now with the Pistons. He's having another All-Star season, dropping 25 points per game, eight rebounds, and five assists. The Pistons, when Griffin's on the court, are a tough, competitive team. The issue is when they don't have him. Yep. But I think the way Blake has evolved as a player is just really, really impressive. I feel bad for him if, if Detroit keeps stumbling like this. It's kind of like... Just no one's going to be talking about him in a year or two. This Pistons can't turn it around. Yeah. I, I think one thing that kind of he gets a bad rap for it because, you know, he's a funny guy. He likes to be in movies. He likes to, <laughs> you know, act and stuff like that. It doesn't necessarily mean he, you know, doesn't love the game. And I, I think his, as you were saying, you know, his constant improvement kind of is a testament to that. Yep. And what we're, what we're seeing, what we're seeing in the Pistons, um, He's basically being the kind of point Blake that we've always kind of clamored for. Is there hope for the Pistons, though? Like, I want to be optimistic for Blake's sake, but what's the hope for them? Uh, Yeah, no, we were just talking about Blake, man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they they started with Blake Casey, but just the lack of overall talent seems like has got to them. And are they capped out, too, right, for a while? Like, they they can't make any moves? Point Blake, my first article on TheRinger.com, August 22nd. I just pulled it up. Doc One for the history books. Yeah, it's from 2016. Doc Rivers must unleash Point Blake. Happy to see it's actually happening now under Dwayne Casey and the Toronto Raptors. Hey, so your it's biographers great. want to read that article in there. <laughs> don't, don't, don't go back and read that. Don't, don't read that. Um, uh, last game to discuss on Sunday night, we get the Blazers. At the Nuggets. I'm going to actually be at this game. It's going to be Oh, my, nice. Yeah, you want, you're going yeah. to Denver, Casey? Yeah, it's going to be my first time in Denver. I'm looking forward Sweet. to that. It's going to be a lot colder than LA, but I'm excited for that. It'll be nice. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to be off next week. Uh, hope you guys don't miss me too much, but I'll be in Toronto, freezing Toronto. My, my ass off. I've Look, I've never been in weather below 30 degrees, I believe. <sighs> so I'm California kids, man. They're so soft. Do you have a, do you have a winter jacket? I do. But I, I just, I don't know what I'm like, supposed like a, to experience. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be feeling. Okay. So I don't know if it's going to be enough or if I packed way too much. I don't know. Okay. Um, Danny, we're not going to have you next week, unfortunately. But we do need Herder He Wrote from you now. Okay. So this week's edition of Herder He Wrote is not about any one play that he made. Uh, but it's actually a quote that he gave to one of my good friends, James Herbert at CBS Sports. Um Okay, so I'm just going to read it. So Kevin Herter had a high school coach who had a saying. His saying was, don't show your third nipple. And here's how it plays into what he said. (laughs) Here's his quote. You go on a date, you show your strengths. And if you have a weakness, you don't show it right away. So going into a game, obviously, one of the bigger strengths I have is making shots. So let that be my strength. Don't show all the weaker parts of my game. Let your date figure out your third nipple <laughs> instead of showing it, instead of telling them about it. So oh, the thing nice. that I learned about Unbelievable. this, the thing that I learned about Kevin Herter is that we should all be interviewing him in the locker rooms. We should be. We should He's be. He's self-aware. He's feeding the content machine. You know, he knows we got to fill out Herter. Herter, he wrote every week. Don't He's show your third nipple. Yeah. Words to live by. That's all we have time for today, unfortunately. That was fun though, guys. Danny, enjoy Toronto. Don't I show will. your third nipple.
I won't because I will have it all covered because it will be cold as hell. Yes, it will. John, how, how much longer are you in Phoenix? Only a few more hours. So, oh, dang man. Okay, I've lost yeah. it for the for the for the pod. I'm letting it go. Yeah. All right, go oh, see geez. some sunlight. Yeah, yeah, come on, man. Yeah, get, get out of that dark room. Anyway, well, thank you guys. Have a great rest of your weekend, and thank you for listening to the Corner Three. Please give us a five star rating on iTunes. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your dog. Tell your cat. Please just tell everybody about Ringer NBA Show. Make us very very happy if you do that. Special shout out to Bobby Wagner for producing today's show and to my good friend Elon for listening to the show. Thank you again. We'll be back next Friday without Danny Chow, unfortunately. We're going to figure out who we're going to be bringing on. See you later, everybody. Have a good weekend. All right, y'all.